last week I shared kind of a convicting message. I mean, it's one that rocked my world all week long. It was a message about the characteristics, the conduct, and the compensation of a soul winner. Everywhere that the Apostle Paul journeyed, his love for the Lord made him willing to be used by the Lord to tell people about Jesus. Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to be used by the hand of God to tell people about Jesus? In today's verses, not only does Paul portray himself as a soul winner, he also portrays himself as a missionary. Now, you may say, well, that sounds like it's the same, Bill. Well, they're a little bit different. The word soul winner and the word missionary, while they're very similar, they are different. A soul winner is someone that tells lost people about Jesus where they live, in their community, in their family, uh, in their workplace, while a missionary is someone who tells lost people about Jesus having been sent by the Lord to another place or perhaps another country. Listen up. Paul was both. He was both a soul winner and a missionary. And as part of the body of Christ, you and I are called to be both as well. Both a soul winner and a missionary. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 gives us a clear mandate that we should be both. Listen to what that verse says. Jesus is speaking to his disciples I pray that includes you this morning. In verse 8, he said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you want to translate that for our modern day times, you could say that no matter where we are, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. Whether it be with your words or by the way you live. And so today, Paul gives us some traits, some attributes, some characteristics of what a missionary looks like. And today I want us to examine our hearts. And as you're examining your heart, I want you to see that if when you look in the mirror, you recognize a missionary. In Romans chapter 15, should be on page 1011, and the Bible's in front of you, give or take. In verse 18, Paul's writing to Christians just like you and I at a church in Rome, and he says in verse 18 of Romans 15, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about Elycrim I have found, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was named lest I should build on another man's foundation but as it is written to whom he was not announced 
they shall see. And those who have not heard, they shall understand. You see, a genuine missionary is first and foremost fruitful. He's fruitful. In verse 18 there, we found that Paul was saying that God was doing a mighty work through him in three ways, in, work and, in works and deeds to make the Gentiles obedient through many signs and wonders. You see, a genuine missionary is recognized by a heavenly walk. In other words, the way they walk, people see Jesus in them. Paul says that his purpose was to make the Gentiles obedient. He says that he was preaching this message that has the power to change people. Do you know the message you have has the power to change people from bad to good? And when people accept that message and allow it to change them, then it creates an obedience to God. They actually want to start obeying the Lord. So this reoccurring idea of obedience uh, occurs several times uh, in the book of Romans. Uh, first of all, there in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, Through him we have received grace and apostleship, get this, for obedience to the faith. Among nations for his name, and here's the important part, in verse 6, among whom also you also are called of Jesus Christ. And then all the way back in uh, verse 16, or chapter 16 rather, in Romans in verse 26, listen again to where it reoccurs, that idea of obedience to the faith. He says, now to him who is able to establish you has now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures and made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God. Here it comes. For obedience to the faith. For obedience to the faith. What Paul is saying there when he says obedience to the faith is he's saying there's evidence there of a changed life. He says when you look at these people, you can see it. It's changed them from the core to the way that they live. Paul's saying, I've got proof. Proof that my ministry is real. Everywhere I go, I leave this trail of obedient believers. It's the proof. You see, God wants to see a changed life in those who come to Christ. If your life hasn't changed since the day you came to Christ, can I tell you this morning, there's something wrong. Amen? God wants to see a changed life. He's looking for those who will completely surrender everything that they are for his glory. And so he wants to see a changed life. Now, in case you didn't know it, every person that comes forward in a service doesn't necessarily get saved. I preached this last Sunday night. Every person that comes forth and makes a profession of faith doesn't necessarily mean that they're saved. The acid test, the real test, to see if somebody's saved or not, is to follow up. Follow up a year after they've made that profession of faith. Follow up with them five years after they've made that profession. Follow up ten years and see if they're still loving the Lord Jesus. See if they're still living that changed life. If it's real, can I tell you, there will be a changed life. 
if it's real, there will still be an intense love for the Lord Jesus. However, if that's missing, you really have to question if it was ever genuine to begin with. So a genuine missionary is recognized by that heavenly walk, the way they walk with Jesus. But they're also recognized by a heavenly work. One thing I love about Paul is he never took credit for souls that were saved, for churches that were started, or for lives that were changed. He never bragged on himself. He never took the credit. He said, all the glory belongs to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to him alone. He never talked about how many people were saved while he was preaching. He never uh, talked about um, people that were coming to Christ because of something he said. He knew that he was nothing more than a tool. He was merely an instrument, a voice box to share the gospel. His duty was specifically to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, that's my duty to proclaim it. It's Jesus' duty to make the increase. It's Jesus' duty to bring people to himself. You know, I think that today's churches can learn a lot from the Apostle Paul. Churches and church people are not in competition with one another. Although sometimes we act like we are. Furthermore, our job is not to produce a room full of people that can be counted. That is not the goal. Our duty is to come to the place where we understand that nothing of eternal value is ever done except through the power of Jesus. There ain't no human being doing anything. It's all about Jesus. And when we really get there and we have that understanding, we won't care about numbers. When we get there and have that understanding, we won't care about a head count. All we'll care about is that Jesus gets all the glory for everything he's done for us and everything that he's doing through us. See, real missionaries don't care who gets the credit as long as Jesus gets the glory. So a genuine missionary is recognized by that heavenly walk, by, certainly by that heavenly work, but he's also recognized by heavenly wonders. Paul makes three statements there in verse 18 and 19. Three statements that tell about how his ministry was recognized. First of all, he says, my ministry is recognized by word and deed. He wrote to another church in Colossians chapter 3, and it teaches us that whatever we do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. He, John also wrote, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, a missionary's life must match the message he preaches. You can't be real. You can't be authentic. If you're not living the message you're preaching. So it's very, very important. But another statement that showed how his ministry was recognized was by mighty signs and wonders. You see, when the early church ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit, he often, the Holy Spirit, would confirm his word by these incredible signs and wonders. When God is at work in our midst, you're going to see some wonders, amen? When God is at work in this church, people are going to see signs and wonders, amen? 
when they'll, what they're going to see is, they're going to see people you never think would get saved getting saved. You're going to see people who you never thought would change seeing their lives get changed. You ever known people and you've said this? Man, they ain't never going to change. You ever said that about somebody? Hey, I'm guilty. A sign and a wonder is when God does a changing work in their lives. It's an incredible wonder. And so those are the mighty signs and the mighty wonders that we see in our day and time. But another way that Paul's ministry was recognized was by the power of the Spirit of God. You see, when this book is preached accurately, when the Bible is preached truthfully, can I tell you, things happen. I don't need to teach you anything that I believe or anything that I feel. I need to teach you what God said. Because when this book is preached, when God's word is preached, things happen. Now, you may not see it immediately. It may begin as just a seed. And it needs to be covered with prayer over and over again so that it will grow into faith. But the word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God's word shared in his power is always what gets the job done. The promise of God is, is that his word will never return void. It always returns with the purpose for which he set it forth. It ain't fancy building. It's not these incredible programs. It's not some perfectly crafted sermon. No, it's the power of God. It's only the power of God can convict a sinner. Only the power of God can transform a sinner. Only the power of God can move a church. Amen? Only the power of God can move a community. Only the power of God can move somebody's heart to change for the glory of God. So as we walk and as we work as faithful missionaries, you're going to see some wonders, all right, some wonders that only God could create. So let me ask you this. Could you, is this in your wheelhouse, could you completely sell out to the Lord? To be used completely in every facet of your life as a fruitful missionary? Could you give up everything you've got to go to another city or another country to do what God asked you to do? If you knew that it was God telling you to do it, could you do it? That's a tough question, isn't it? But we're called to be a fruitful missionary. But a genuine missionary is also faithful. Look there in verse 19 at the end. So that from Jerusalem and round about till Elicrum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. You know, one thing I've noticed in church circles these days is there's too many quitters. You've seen them. You know them. There's too many quitters. The church as a whole doesn't have enough people who are wholeheartedly sold out to being Christ's missionary to the whole world. And that's the high calling of God on the believer. And by the way, that's what you're called to believe. That's what you're called to be. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says. 
Now then, we, say we. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're Nikki Haley's, man. Y'all know who she is? The American ambassador to the United Nations, man. We like her. We're Christ's ambassadors to the world. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Man. First thing we have to be committed to is Christ's mission. Jesus has got a mission going on in our world. And Paul took that mission pretty seriously. Paul took the Lord's call on his life very seriously. I'm going to ask you a question. Here it comes. Do you? When we look at our lives, are we really taking the Lord's call on our life seriously? Or are we taking it rather half-heartedly? I want to remind you that I've had to chew on this message all week and examine my own heart. And so I'm calling you to examine your own. See, Paul did exactly what he had been told to do in Acts 1.8. He sold out to the Lord. He began where he was and he carried his understanding of the gospel to ever-expanding circles until the whole world knew the gospel. That's commitment. Would you agree? Man, that's being sold out. That's all-inclusive. That's everything about us. Now, Elikorum is modern-day Yugoslavia. And I don't expect you to know how far Yugoslavia is from Jerusalem, but it's a long way. In fact, Paul traveled over 1,500 miles on foot and by sea to carry the gospel to every city he went through, including Yugoslavia. That's commitment. Would you agree? Would you do that? Would you walk up to Maine to share the gospel? We won't even walk to the end of the street and share the gospel. Amen? And I'm looking in the mirror here. See, like Paul, Jesus begins with his own Jerusalem. He tells us to begin with our own Jerusalem and enlarge our influence in these ever-expanding circles until the whole world knows that Jesus saves. My friends, our mission field is not just this little Bethel community. Our mission field is the whole world. And I know that sounds very difficult to stomach. It's overwhelming to think that we are responsible to get the gospel to the whole world. But the Bible says we are. And you want to know what really burns me up? Anybody? I don't care what you say, Bill. <laughs> Here's what really burns me up. The Muslim invasion that's coming to the United States. Anybody else? That really burns me up. 
But one missionary in Africa was actually asked why Islam was spreading so much faster than Christianity in that part of the country. And his response speaks volumes. He said simply this, every Muslim considers himself a missionary. Most Christians think it's somebody else's job. It ain't somebody else's job, y'all. It's our job. So before I go getting all burned up and tore up about a Muslim invasion, I better look in the mirror and find out how well I am spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to have a commitment to Christ's mission. But we also need to have a commitment to Christ's message. How many of you know that a Christian who doesn't share the good news is counterfeit? How's that feel? I can tell you it feels awful. A Christian who doesn't share the gospel in some form or fashion, is a fake. A Christian who refuses to tell a lost, dying sinner a way to have their sin cancer cured ain't real. I pray that we will come to the place that we can say, like Paul said in verse 19, I have fully preached the gospel. That 3151 challenge that we've all accepted, amen? Amen? amen. amen. Means at some point in the next 12 months, you're going to be fully preaching the good news to at least one. At least one. Let us boldly declare the righteous claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we'll just trust him to honor his promise to save souls. All I have to do is share it. It's not my responsibility to save a soul. It's his work to save a soul. I just got to tell people. I just got to be a missionary. I just got to be a soul winner. See that my friends, is the answer to a lot of the problems in the world today. Is a willingness for you and I to share the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. If we do that, think about all the problems that could be solved, not only in our own community, in our own nation, but all over the world. A genuine missionary is fruitful. But a genuine missionary is also very faithful. But he's also extremely focused. Take a look at verse 20. Paul says, and so I have made it my aim. He's taken out his 30-06, and he's looked through the scope, and he's dead focused on that lost person. It's on the other end of that scope. He has made it his aim to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, 
lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard, they shall understand. See, many people think that missionaries live this life of dullness and they're doomed to this life of tedious, monotonous labor amongst a bunch of people who could care less what they do. But listen, there ain't nothing dull about a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know how Paul's ministry stayed fresh? Do you want to know how he kept on keeping on? Paul stayed fresh because Paul stayed focused. He stayed focused on people who didn't have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he stay focused on? Well, we learn here that missionaries concentrate on new frontiers. Paul focused on going to places that had never heard the gospel before. They never heard it. He wanted everybody to have the chance to be saved and go to heaven one day. He wanted everybody to know it. And you know that you meet people every day? Every day who are without hope? You meet people every single day who have never heard the life-changing gospel good news that Jesus forgives sins and saves souls? Every day you meet people like that. Will you make it your mission to take the word of God to a new frontier? Missionaries also concentrate on new foundations. Everywhere Paul went, he started new churches. Started new churches. He didn't try to build on the work of somebody else. You know, that's really what I, what I do as a pastor here. All I'm doing is working to build on a, on a foundation that people in the past have already been building. God has built a foundation on many, many other ministers and many, many other teachers and many, many other people long before I got here. And so I'm just building on that foundation. But Paul would start from scratch. He'd go to a town, he'd preach the word, and then he'd start a church just that quick. And then he'd leave that town, he'd go to another town, and he'd do the same thing over and over and over again. And then he'd come back a few years later and he would find them thriving in the Lord's work. So when you look at what Paul did, he went, he won souls, he taught people to win souls, and then he moved on. I pray over the last few months you've begun to learn ways to share the gospel. We've been talking about it. We've learned five, we will have learned five different ways to share the good news. Easy ways, conversational ways that anybody can share the gospel. I pray you're learning one because it's our God-given duty to reach out to the world and to actively seek to bring them to Jesus and then to teach them. Teach them how they can share Jesus with other people. New frontiers, new foundations, but missionaries also concentrate on new faces. New people. See, God had burned this message into Paul's heart. And then he gave him a heart for lost people. The message was echoed there in verse 21. Echoed from the, from the scriptures in Isaiah. Where he said, to whom he was not announced, they're going to see. 
And to those who have not heard, they're going to understand the gospel good news of Jesus. The lost were those faces, those people you see day in and day out. You look at them and you say, they ain't got no hope. You look at them at work. Do you think to yourself, they don't have a relationship with God. They've not been saved. Maybe you run into your neighbor. You just SMH, amen? Shaking my head. They don't have a hope. They don't know Jesus Christ. May the Lord burn the same message that Paul had into our hearts. And may he do it with the same determination that Paul had to get that good news out to people. To just tell them. Jesus will bring the increase if we'll just tell them. God's called everyone here, every single one of us here, to mission work. It may be here. He's even called some of you, and you don't even know it yet. He's called some of you to take the gospel good news to another place or maybe another country. Have you even considered that? That maybe God wants you to do that? Maybe God wants you to get out of your comfort zone and go to a place where people have not heard the gospel. Today, I want to challenge everybody in this room. Challenge everybody in this room to just search your heart for a minute, okay? And I want you to honestly answer these two questions. First of all, are you doing everything in your power, everything in your power to reach the lost in your sphere of influence? Second question. Are you doing everything in your power to help those who are carrying the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. I think you would agree with me. Man, I sure could do more. The question is, will we? Will we? I mean, how important is it to support missionaries? Well, let me share a little story with you. At the mouth of this very turbulent river was this small fishing village. And suddenly one day, someone began crying out, Boy overboard! Boy overboard! And everybody in the city, or everybody in the village, started gathering together, and anxious eyes looked out into the water, and they saw this figure of a drowning boy. Every mother who was there was looking out into that water and said, oh my gosh, is that my boy? Is that my boy? Finally, somebody got a rope and the strongest swimmer in the village volunteered to rescue that drowning boy. So eagerly, he 
tied this rope around his waist, and he threw the other end into the crowd, and he jumped into the frigid waters. And he began to swim against the tide, and his, his strokes were strong and sure, and finally he reached that boy. And he grabbed him up in his strong arms, and when he did, oh man, the whole village started cheering. And then the, the man who was swimming with that boy in his arms shouted, Pull in the rope! But the people started looking at one another. Nobody had the rope. With all the excitement, they'd allowed that rope to slip into the water. Powerless to help, the whole village watched those two souls drown in that frigid water. Why? Because nobody made it their business to grab the shore end of that rope. Y'all, how many millions of people must die without Christ before we grab the rope? Every month, our Women's Missionary Union, you probably don't even know who all is in that group, but our Women's Missionary Union, they meet once a month. And do you want to know what they do? They read stories and testimonies of missionaries all over the world. And they pray. They pray for missionaries in North America, and all around the globe. How can you pick up the shore end of your rope? When was the last time you prayed for a missionary? Boy, that was piercing. But also on December the 9th, next month, Bethel Baptist will give their entire offering on December the 9th to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes exclusively straight to foreign missionaries. I want to ask you today, will you begin to pray now about going above and beyond to do your part to hold the shore end of the rope for those missionaries? Can we make that day the biggest offering we've had all year, knowing that every cent is going to be going to a foreign missionary sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who've never heard it before? God calls every one of us to be soul winners and to be missionaries. As I was preparing this this past week, I got to thinking, man, we have some of the most devoted Christians on the planet right here in this room. And I wondered, has any one of you ever considered the mission field? Have you considered 
giving up your life, being selling out, if you will, to becoming a missionary, perhaps in another place or a, another country? Friends, I want to invite you to at least consider that today. Millions are dying every day. And many of them have not heard what I'm going to share with you now. Which is the answer. I'm going to give everybody one of these on the way out today. But people are looking for answers. They have so many questions. They're looking for answers to things like loneliness. Suicide. They're looking for answers to things like guilt and stress. <laughs> Can I get a testimony on that one? Life after death. Right? They're, they're struggling with their purpose in life. They're struggling with, with disease. They're struggling with drug addiction. And they don't think they have any hope. But listen, y'all. There is an answer. And that answer is found in the fact that God loves you and created you with a purpose. People need to know they have a purpose, y'all. So you think, well, if God loves me and he's got a purpose for me, why am I not enjoying this incredibly purpose-filled life? Well, our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God. It is because of your sin that you are not living this purpose-filled life. People need to know that today, that we're all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is, is that the price has already been paid. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. A gift of God so that no one can boast. And it's free. It's a gift of God. And guess what? Jesus is the answer. He is the answer, but he leaves it exclusively up to you. He's already done all that's necessary, but he leaves it up to you. The Bible says that it's up to you to decide. You must be willing to give your life to Christ. You must be willing to accept this good news of Jesus. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And he says, it's up to you. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and get this, you will be saved. But it's up to you. How about that for a 60-second gospel presentation using something that people can see and, of course, you notice what it's in the shape of. See, the answer is found in the cross of Jesus. Friends, be a soul winner. At least consider that God might want to use you as a missionary. And you parents that are thinking right now, Oh, no, daughter, you're not going to a foreign land to share the gospel. You need to take it up with the Lord, amen. He very well might be planting seeds in this youth group right now. 
Seeds in our young people right now. Seeds in those children that are back there at Children's Church right now to be a missionary. And we need to be receptive to that. Can I pray for you? Father God, we praise you and thank you so much for the simplistic gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, we are fully aware that while it is very simple, often it's not easy. We must sacrifice our own desires and we must surrender our lives to Christ. And Lord, I believe that in a room this large with this many people, Lord, maybe there's somebody who has not completely given their lives to Christ. Lord, let them know that today could be their day to receive the answer. The answer to life after death. The answer to how can I enter heaven. The answer to how can I have eternal life. Lord, let them know that it's through Jesus. Father, I pray that you would use us mightily to be soul winners and missionaries for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.